Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. I'm sure you heard the saying, or even said it yourself, that the rich always get richer. Well, in many cases, it's not even necessarily what they do, it's who they know. And many times, there's a lot of negative connotations in it, and really, when you really think about it, it is a lot of what we do in life is related to the people that we know. We do business that people that we're friendly with, that we're familiar with, and so forth. If you know rich people, then the likeliness of you being rich is pretty high, because you're going to be included in a lot of those conversations and deals that are being made on a daily basis that the average person just has no clue that is even going on. And to be honest, that is happening in the NFT space. And I'm not going to say that is a bad thing. That is just the way of life. And of course, this is nifty business. So I'm going to actually tie this into the business world and show how the NFT world actually bridges to the corporate world. So when a project is getting ready to launch, many times it is like a corporation getting ready to be public, getting listed on the stock market. Internally, this company or this project was being built. The workers, the staff and people in the community know what they do and are excited about the company. But as far as it going out to the world and everyone really seeing what this is about, looking into their books, their numbers and seeing how everything is being ran. Well, all of that comes to light when a company is going public. And in the case of NFTs, that is when the project is going to be launched. That is when people are inspecting the code. They're looking at the community. They're looking at all the numbers as far as the discord, the engagement and all these different things. And leading up to the launch of it actually hitting the market for sale for the very first time, that is very much like an IPO or initial public offering in the corporate world. In NFT space, we'll say the drop. When is the drop going to happen? But that is the NFT equivalent of an IPO. And much like the corporate world, when there is a big hyped company coming onto the scenes, you know, a big name such as a Facebook or a Google or whoever it is, when they are actually getting ready to go to market, there is so much buzz, there is so much anticipation. So most people definitely want in on the deal. And in the corporate world, up until the other day, it was really reserved for institutional investors, regular people who don't have a net worth of over a certain amount of millions of dollars. I can't exactly remember what the figure is. Weren't even able to uh, get in on the table at one of these deals when an IPO is getting down. So what used to happen is a lot of these brokerages and a lot of these investment bankers used to reserve these deals specifically for their best companies, or I should say their best clients. So the people that were giving them the most business over the years that were investing hundreds of millions or whatever it is, maybe billions of dollars in the firm and buying stocks and all sorts of different things. Well, those were the people that would get the call to say, okay, Google is getting ready to go public. And I'm actually going to leave that into the podcast. I don't know if you heard that, but when I said, okay, G-O-O-G-L-E, it set off my phone and uh, she was included into the recording. So I will see if that actually picks up the microphone. But anyways, speaking of them, that G company, they probably weren't the best example of their IPO because they did it in a very different way, which was a Dutch auction. Actually, believe it or not, there are some NFT projects such as Gary V. He did a Dutch auction, which basically is not the traditional route, but I'll cover that in another time. It's actually pretty simple, but it just takes a lot more time to explain that than I'm prepared to go into with this episode. Anyways, when the IPO is getting ready to launch, these people, the best clients, they're the ones who are typically included at the table. They get that share price at whatever it is. Let's say it's getting ready to launch at $20 or $25. They pay that initial amount. 
and they know that there's pretty much going to be a guaranteed pop on the first day. And a lot of that has to do with marketing. Then they reserve the amount of shares that are actually coming on. So it's a little artificially manufactured in a sense that they just manipulate how the market is going to receive these new shares. That is why I would say a majority of the time when something hits the markets for the very first time, the price just shoots up. And who benefits from that initial shooting up is actually not the company. It is not the shareholders. It is the people that were able to get in on that IPO. And they quickly unload as soon as that company hits the market. So that is very much like someone who's getting on a whitelist or a pre-sale or an approved list for minting out an NFT project. If this is a very hype project that a lot of people want to get into, and it's almost like guaranteed to sell out. So let's just say, use a simple number of, let's say it's getting ready to mint at 0.1 ETH. If they did all their marketing correctly, they had their influencers on board, they had all the hype and everything that is creating so much buzz, everyone's flocking to the Twitter. Twitter, the Discord, and everything, and everyone wants in on this thing. Well, there's only 10,000 that could be possibly minted out. And let's say more than half of those are given out to people, whether they work their way onto the list in Discords or people that were related to the founders or whatever it is, they know that as soon as it sells out, as soon as it mints out, and that price is going to initially jump. So these are people that are not necessarily into the, the project itself, or maybe they're into it, but they're just in it for the financial gain. And the same thing exactly happens in the corporate world. Once those best clients get that initial stock on day one, they unload it. And then that's when the regular guys, you know, the sitting at home, the Joe, the plumbers and all the people that the politicians love to talk about, they get the opportunity to buy those. And it's going to be at an inflated price. In the NFT world, these are the regular collectors that just might maybe want one or two. They weren't able to get it at that min for that point one. So then they go into OpenSea or whatever market that it is selling on, and then they end up buying it usually at a premium. So to a lot of people, it is very frustrating. I'm seeing a lot of, of grieve on Twitter and different things that, you know, people put in the work on discords and they're just upset that they're not getting onto the whitelist and so forth and it's mints out and then he can't afford it. So there's a lot of that going on. However, Sometimes there are benefits to missing out on that initial mint or that initial IPO. For example, I'll go to the corporate world first since I started talking about stocks and bonds. I remember specifically when Facebook hit the market. After their IPO, the stock price actually dipped. And the reason why I remember this specifically is because <laughs> I was at church the day and I used to really follow stocks and what have you. And I remember it made its way into the uh, the preacher's message. He ended up saying something about, hey, there's so many people that dedicate their lives to Facebook, but hope you don't got stocks. But this was right after the uh, IPO. And I'll just never forget that because during that time, like, you know, the news or the buzz, everything, Facebook's coming to the market and was just absolutely going crazy. And when that price actually went down, it actually made it into a preacher's sermon, which is just hilarious to me. But as far as an NFT project goes, sometimes they actually do drop in price. So let's say a lot of those people, those initial whales that got the uh, the whitelist passed or the pre-sale or whatever it is, they have no interest in that project. They could just dump everything on the market. And of course, everyone just wants to move their money quickly. So there's a race to the bottom. They're lowering the floor. So sometimes... You're able to find one that is rarer or has uh, some sort of more value than the average one, or you find one that you really like, that you have a personal attachment to, that you really relate to or whatever it is, and you're able to pick that up at at the mint price or even below the mint price, depending how things are going. So really, it is not the end of the world. 
but sometimes it is a lot frustrating. And I can see on Twitter right now that anytime one of these projects, these you know mega hype projects, and someone doesn't make it onto the whitelist or whatever it is, that they get upset. They come on and they start bashing the uh, founders or whatever it is. And to be honest, it's not always the case that, yeah, something nefarious went on behind the scenes. But I find it really funny that a lot of times people that come into this NFT space and they're looking at this stuff and they're talking about Web3, decentralization, tearing down the walls from the old guard and all these different things. And they're not really realizing that this is sort of how people operate in the general sense of in business. And I'm not saying that you should just look out for your friends and do all sorts of crazy things. But what I'm trying to say is a lot of the tactics and a lot of the things that came over from the corporate world will find its way into these NFT projects. So instead of bashing the corporate world, bashing Wall Street, bashing how all of those things were done to better understand it and to bridge the gap between, okay, this is how big businesses are doing things. And this is what we can learn for it in the NFT space as we're building out our project and and how to apply this, how we're going to navigate this and make this experience more better for users. I think it's just an amazing way of navigating all this space. And I can definitely say one of the projects that I'm really looking forward to that I've been in their Discord. I'm actually whitelisted on it, and I'm really just excited for the whole thing. I've mentioned them a couple times is the Meta Athletes. And the way they're doing their whitelisting or their pre-sales or whatever you want to call it, I think is probably one of the most unique ways. They're working with Brian Fanzo and a whole bunch of other people that are actually advising them and navigating the space for them. So it is really cool that they're just learning from all these failed projects, all these upset people, and they're getting ready to launch, which was delayed by a few days, but it's for a good reason. And supposedly they're working on the art and doing some security beefing up and what have you. But the thing that I'm most excited about, because I already saw the preliminary art and I thought it was awesome as a former athlete myself, the whole project itself, it, it, to me, is just really cool. So if the art does get better, cool. But what I'm really excited about is the the security in the sense that they are making sure that the people that get onto that pre-mint pass will have access to it. And not just that, but the way they're doing the rollout is that instead of having that gas war that a lot of people normally have, they're going to ha- have like a window of a certain amount of days. So that way we can mint out at the lowest time uh, for our gas. And where I am right now, would be the East Coast time. And I really realized that some of the best gas fees on Ethereum for me is between midnight on Sunday and like Monday morning. I find the best rates or the best uh, gas fees at that time. So depending how the days falls and what kind of timelines and different things that we have, that is when I plan to mint. And I really think it is a good solution. The way they're approaching this is not knocking everyone else that had some other sort of uh, fee, but they're actually learning from all the mistakes, looking at what the community's needs are. And so that it's not just the insider people, the the whales at the table, if you will, the best friends of the founders and so forth. They have the opportunity to actually make this accessible to the regular guys, such as uh, myself. You know, even though I have a podcast and I'm in the space and everything, I would not say I am any kind of super expert or some high-flying whale, or I guess whales don't fly, so that's a bad example, some some big shot that can you know afford to just mint any time, and it doesn't matter what the gas fees are, I just want to get into a project. No, that is not how I operate. I actually do this stuff with calculators and what have you, and I, I literally I just made an offer on some certain things on OpenSeas, and I'm watching the, the gas prices and different things and saying, okay, this is not going to be accepted. However, I know that I don't want to pay the gas during this time, because right now, at the time of recording it, gas is through the roof. It is like 200 and something. And I was like, no, there is no way I'm going to do that. So I'm going to make an offer. And if this person wants to accept the price, 
at a reasonable time, then cool, I'm fine with that. So offering that ability for the rest of us to just mint out at the best time for us, I think is just really cool. I think that is a pretty good place to just land the plane here. And I just wanted to say really that understanding finance, understanding business, how numbers work, how all of these uh, different things, the corporate structures of things, it actually does help in the NFT space. I never really thought that I would be able to uh, use finance knowledge and bridge it over into an artistic way and just bridge everything with everything that I love to do on the internet with all this online stuff without, you know, unless I was founding a company. But really in Web3, I like to say that everything, all of my life experiences, knowledge, everything seems to be coming together in this space. And in particular, NFTs. That is why I'm so excited and bullish about NFTs. And honestly, even if I was told I could make 10 times more trading crypto and not focusing on NFTs and all that, I would still be in this space. I mean, I'm absolutely in love with it. I love everything that is going on, all the opportunities that is providing for so many people, all the interesting aspects and ways of viewing things, viewing the world. I mean, all of this stuff is just coming out just beautifully, in my opinion, in the NFT space. So I know there's a lot of uh, negatives and uh, a lot of times when people think of whitelisting and, and all this stuff, it's, it seems like uh, a stressful topic. But really, I'm just fascinated by the whole process. I'm just enjoying the game, if you will. So with that said, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything that you'd like me to speak about, any kind of topics, I'm always open for suggestions. I'm available on Twitter at Tropic Vibes, or maybe you just want to pop in and say hi. I'll appreciate it. So thank you for listening. And as usual, I will see you in the next one. Later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.